Welcome to No Challenges Remaining on day seven of the Australian Open, which was a banner day, particularly on the women's side of the draw. Three hugely high-profile fourth-round matches and a win by Shea Suwei. It was quite the day. Here joined by my dear friend Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. Hello, Benji. And I have Reem Abulayles here, too. Double dipping. Usually I only get, like, one buddy on the show, but today, two? Oh, tremendous. Buddies. Reem, thanks for being here. Podcast friends. Podcast friends. Hey, Reem. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Obviously, I'm sleep-deprived, and this might not make much sense, but hi. (laughs) Well, between all of us and our sleep and our whatever, we managed to see the matches that happened today at the Australian Open. Uh, Two of them were simultaneous, but uh, which were the first match. The first match to finish was Shea Suwei beating Marketa Vondrosova, then simultaneous to that, or lasting longer than that, was Naomi Osaka saving two match points to beat Garbinia Muguruza, and then the next match on Laver after that was Serena Williams beating Arena Sabalenka, and then in the night match that we just saw was Simona Halep coming back from a set down to beat Iga Svantec. Let's do like big picture stuff first, I guess, and we'll go kind of granular on each of those matches. What? A, yeah, what a, what a day, Courtney, huh? It was good. <laughs> I just, I just wish you guys could see Ben. He's just like got his hands. Yes, no. Um, it was it was a great day. I mean, I you know when you get a lineup like that, um, first of all, it's exciting. Um, and there's obviously hype, but you also want that hype to come true. You want it to be justified. You know, we get into these. Tra- we used to get into these traps. For example, sometimes when you would hype a Serena Venus match, and the match itself would kind of. You know, yes, obviously it's a hypeable match, like marquee wise, but the actual match itself maybe, you know, was awkward or or just lacked some luster. Same with you know Sharapova, Serena. A lot of times that was one of the matches. You know, especially in the last five years or so of Sharapova's career where it just, you just didn't want to hype it anymore. Like you're like, I know I should. Cause you know, it's an event, the big, but it's not it's an event. Like, and it's the two biggest deliver, names in women's know. tennis, but I, I kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. So to have these three matches, especially two of them between players who had never faced each other in, in Naomi and Garbinier and then Serena and Sabalenka, you know, all of them are playing well. You have to think it's going to be good, but you don't know. You have literally have no idea what this matchup is going to look like because we've never seen it. So for those to come through um, and be awesome was great. I thought the Shviantek Halep match was fascinating on many different weird levels, mm-hmm. which we can discuss. But I guess I'll put it back to you guys. What was the match of the day for you? For me, it was Osaka and Muguruza, I think, um, because I thought it had kind of most momentum swings to it, I felt like. And I just loved seeing Naomi just, like, be just so boss at the end. And that was one that was, like, the best sort of, like, moment of the match was what Naomi did at the end of that match, of everything. You know, my friend who's a Eurovision blogger, William Lee Adams, says you can win Eurovision in a moment. You know, if you have one spectacular, you know, (laughs) note or, or shot or animation or whatever happens. And I feel like in this sort of context of subjective voting for things, what Naomi did from match points down in that match, I think, was gives me gives her the nod for me. Reem, that was the, that was her Conchita worst moment. Her yes, rise exa- like a no, phoenix. exactly. When yeah, in Conchita yeah. worst, when there's like a key change and the flames come out behind her on the thing on the fire animation. Oh yeah, like, oh, yes, I know. exactly. I'm aware. We know. I'm we aware. Know. We know. I'm aware. That'll be our outro. You know? Rise like a phoenix. But Reem, go ahead. 
I unfortunately could not watch that match, so yeah. I feel like I did uh, miss the match of the day. But I watched the other two. I watched Simona and Iga and Serena and Sabalenka. And actually, I'm torn between those two because they were very different. One of them, I felt like with with the with the Iga Simona match, it was like I felt like Simo was a tactical genius at some point. I felt like there was so much tactics, so much like mental stuff going on. Yeah. There was whereas with Serena Sabalenka, I have not seen power versus power like that in a very long time. Like I do remember being live, and you were with me, Ben, when we watched. Petra against Serena in Cincinnati when we watched mm-hmm. from the photo pit. That was a good one. And we could we could feel the power with that one because we were like super close. But like today was ten times more. Like it was crazy. So maybe just from the shock value of it, I prefer I enjoyed Serena and Sabalenka more. But both of them were really good. I really enjoyed both. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't get to watch much of the the Serena Sabalenka match. So it's kind of funny how we all kind of rotated through only because I had to do press and everything and yeah. do all the stuff off of the other match. So that kind of ran over. But from what I saw, every time I looked over, I was just gasping at, at, at just the sheer hitting. And again, and I think I said this in our in our draw draw preview or draw reaction podcast. Serena just looks so good on the movement side. Yeah. And just how and how that just translates into the confidence and how she's playing her tennis is really, really cool to see. So, yeah. And then so that match from what I saw was incredibly compelling. But yeah, the the maybe it's recency bias as well. But but watching Svantec and Halep. Yeah. Watching Halep problem solve that match. Also, I just personally find Svantec like for me personally right now, the most fascinating player to watch only because she has all these accomplishments. But we haven't actually in the grand scheme of things, seen that much of Iga. Like no. even people who have seen a lot of Iga have not seen a lot of Iga in, right. in you know, and, and and we haven't seen her in so many of the basic kind of situations, match situations, tournament situations that we've used to seeing other people in. So I just find her just incredibly compelling to see her. Every time she steps on the court, I'm always like, I want to see how you handle this, you know? And, and that's what I find compelling. I think that's one of the interesting things about this whole day too, is that, with the exception of the Muguruza Osaka match, I think they're both like very much like kind of known slam quantities at this point, more or less. Like Sabalenko was kind of in an unknown state too. You know, Vondrosheva and Shea. Actually, let's just go through the matches one by one if that makes it sure. more easy to organize. So let's start, actually start yeah. with Von. No, that's fine. We're doing this is all all good, but we'll start with Sue actually because that was the the shortest match. Uh, Sue won four and two, makes her first slam quarterfinal at 35 and remember we were not high on her in the draw show according i mean like we were saying she had not been playing particularly well during the resumption no she had a tough first round against parankova i actually watched pretty much most of that match and that she was really good against parankova um and then i wasn't sure that she would do well against andrescu because andrescu had actually beaten her before and andrescu looked pretty good against buzernescu and she beat andrescu soundly and then outlasted irani who had beaten her three times each time with a bagel as sue in her very Sue way points out. And then today she just seemed in control and she's in the quarters. And it's, you know, for the one section that sort of collapsed by like on paper, you know, because that was not, that one could have been Andrescu Kvitova, which would have made this like a really high voltage lineup if that had been the fourth match. But that Sue is the person who comes through, like makes everyone so delighted that no one like minds and it's actually like a fun bonus. So what yeah. what has it been like seeing Sue on this run here to her first quarterfinal in I mean, 2021 it's, it's wild 
It's wild and it's great because it feels like a three-year journey with Sue I mean, you know, she always was kind of this hipster pick, but really didn't have, you know, the consistent results and then had that really great, what was it, 2018, 2019, uh, where she made two rounds of 16s at the majors and, you know, and she became this kind of singles threat in a very real way. And so then, again, it was one of those things where you got to see her a lot. You know, because she was winning more. And as you are on court and playing matches against big players, more people see you. And then this 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 momentum behind you as a fan favorite begins to genuinely and and organically build. And Ricky Diamond starts standing. Yeah. Ricky Diamond. I mean, sliding those DMs, just standing, standing the heck out of Shea Sue. Um, But um, in respectful ways, come on. He's sliding into our DMs talking about Sue, not yeah, her know. DMs. He's like, no, 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 always no, DMing just, us. No, ours. Sorry. I'm making clear the slides to the DMs <laughs> things mean yeah. something different than what you were saying. Than what yes. people oh, usually I, mean. I genuinely me. thought I thought you were saying he was sliding into her DMs. <laughs> I was not, and I apologize if I misspoke, Ricky Diamond. I did wow. not mean to besmirch Ricky's you. lawyers will be contacting the show pretty quickly. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, so she's been this this fan favorite. She wins like shot of the the month a lot, like all yeah. that, and so to then now see get to see this it feels great because it doesn't feel like it's completely out of nowhere you know she's been knocking on the door she has kind of this fan consensus everyone's happy for her nobody's talking like nobody's pulling a wickmeyer on her like you know what i mean no not at all everybody's like oh great oh this is gonna be tough for osaka i i was gonna tweet that that this was gonna be an incredible litmus test on tennis commentators like whoever immediately reacted to Osaka winning being like oh she's got a great shot for the semifinals because she plays Shea next like it would be like you are you need to turn in your your coverage card because not not during during that match as I was watching Osaka Muguruza uh, I think the color commentator on the on the world feed she was saying like oh really good chance in the next match and I was like uh Muguruza's 0-2 against Sue and Naomi has had hellish times against Sue even if she's escaped most of them she... lives rent free in her oh, head completely like it's and so yeah so beautiful beautiful penthouse the one sort of comparison not that we need comparisons but i was saw someone tweet a list of like people who played the most grandstands before making their first quarterfinal and actually Sue wasn't that high on the list because she hasn't been a lot of her career she wasn't main draw direct at slam she was you know up and down a lot more and down but the one who popped up who reminded me of her just from a sort of affection standpoint was tana sugarn yeah was also on this list tammy tana sugarn also made a wimbledon quarterfinal pretty late in her career for the first time and that was one of those very similar like if you know you know like if you if you pay attention you know the legend of of tana sugarn at wimbledon of touchdown tammy love absolutely her. and so absolutely yeah so so Sue, yeah, and and I love also about Sue that we still don't know that much about her on a lot of basic like biographical <laughs> levels. Like, shout out to Tumani who's always trying to ask these biographical questions about her, about her like, her about going to Japan, or and like the pieces we have, the puzzle is just like we don't know what the rest of this puzzle is, and we keep getting un- unusual well, new pieces about her like getting her eyebrows taken off by bullies that today. Yeah, Whoa. like and it's Whoa. that that's where it gets tricky because you want to be able to to line it all out, but you would basically need forty five minutes to sit down with Sue and let her be Sue, but also have to sit there with your reporter hat and be like, Okay, hold the hold hold on. Let's go back. What do you mean okay, by forty five minutes? More like forty five days. Like yeah, to like, keep her on track for like to get like real like 
And to get him to be serious. We do that a lot. Like, I'm sure, like, because, like, you know, Olivia Gadecki won a match today, right? And so, like, no one's ever talked to her pretty much more or less before. So there's a lot of, like, basic biographical stuff that you check. Oh, how'd you start tennis? When did you do this? And I feel like with Sue, even though she's 35 years old and been around and been doubles number one and everything, we still, like, don't have a totally clear picture of that, which, again, I just think adds to her mystery and her magic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that match. Sue uh, goes on to play Naomi Osaka in the next round. And one other thing I'll say about this is, we'll get this at, maybe at the end, but the, also the quarterfinals it sets up are great. That's another bonus part of this day is it sets up the next round really, really well. Naomi Osaka comes back to beat Garbini Muguruza 4-6, 6-4, 7-5 after being down 5-3 and saving two match points. And the stat I pulled up on the AO Vision thing was that after Naomi hit three unforced errors in a row to go down double match point she didn't hit another unforced error for the rest of the match which was 22 more points like there's something about osaka and i've seen this before with her especially u.s open last year i think where maybe even australian open 2019 when she won that one too like there's i just have this feeling with her that you know i used to get i guess with serena and you still kind of get with like a novak particularly even occasionally weirdly with fanini but it's a different issue like where if they want a point if they need a point, they can like will their way to that point. Like when they actually really dial in, they just like, I'm not losing this point. And they don't lose the point. And Naomi just does that. And it was just, it's cool to watch. Like I've yeah. never, I was never all that scared for her in this match. Even if she was like teetering, I just always thought she would kick. I don't know. Yeah. No, it, it's, uh, you know, you look at, and I think that, you know, bookending the day with the the Osaka match and then the Shviantek, um Halep match are really good contrasts in terms of an evolution of a player. Because, you know, we saw it for the first time, Naomi do it, as you said, Ben, in the 2019 AO final against Petra Kvitova, had championship points in the second set, failed to convert them, clearly choked them, um, and then disappeared, walked off the the court for a little bit, came back and played an unbelievably contained and disciplined final set to beat Kvitova. That was maybe the first time that we really saw Osaka just not play bang bang tennis, like to that she really channeled something that was deeper than that we just didn't realize was there. 12 months ago, she knocked herself off the court in like less than an hour trying to bang, bang, get through Coco Golf, right? Yeah. Where it almost made you wonder, oh, when 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 Osaka gets tight or when she gets desperate, does she just want to just, is she just going to bang and see if it works out? Um, and what we've seen, you know, from, from, and we saw that generally pretty much in her run to the U.S. Open title last fall. Um, a lot of that was bang, bang tennis. Um, she didn't have to really do, if I recall, um, play too much plan B or plan C to get through that that run. So today to see her really make that adjustment at the end, and that's the whole reason that she won. She was basically giving up points and she started to play with much more discipline was great to see. And it was something that, you know, with Sviantek, you know, that's what you would want Right. Like the minute that kid walks off the court and calms down, you're like, OK, sit down and watch the third set of this, because this is what you needed to do and what you can do. But you just don't think that you know how to do it yet, which is make adjustments and have a plan B, um, because she and tech basically straight up said, like, I don't have options like my and it's like that. Does, I don't know. To me, that doesn't make sense. 
because you watch her game and the amount of spin that she hits with, the number of shots that she has in her athleticism and her serve. You're just like, you have tons of options. What are you talking about? If you have variety so like that, you have options. You have I drop mean, shots and seems, you can, yeah. yeah. So that's, but that's a mental thing. And, you know, but she should watch her, her, her faux bestie who's done it now twice in really, really, really huge matches. I am offended by the word faux, but yes. I'm not saying, fo- but you know how sometimes in tennis, like we say, like people are friends or yeah. like her best friend. And we all know there's not really best friends, but it's like tennis best friends. Yeah. And so they're like tennis friends. They're tennis friends. Tennis friends. You know, yeah. Tennis friends. Yeah. Pretty much. Know. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw, like, I didn't obviously watch today's match, but a lot of what you're saying, I also saw in the Ons match, because yeah. like, when you speak to, when you, when you speak to Ons after she lost in third round to Naomi, the first thing she said was, you could really see why she's a top level player. She's hitting her spots. The second she's in trouble, she finds the right serve, hits it in the corner, uses her angles. She knows what she's doing. And like it, it and I think now she's on an 18 match win. Is it 18 matches in a row now? Or 19? Uh, 19 now, I think. 19, no, eight- right? I think 19. I'm not sure. Either 18 19. or 19, but either way, mm. it's so many Lots. matches in a row. <laughs> she ha- yeah, exactly. Has so, it lost in over a calendar year? Exactly. Which also, that's something that you feel, I feel like she can feel it in her gut, you know? Like, yeah. it's just in the back of her head somehow, even if it's not in a, it, it's probably subconsciously, but like, she knows what to do now and she's in trouble. So it doesn't surprise me that she saved match points today and won. Like, yeah. it really and the, doesn't and she, and she's me. one of those special players. And again, where I think Serena has this, I think Djokovic has this. Again, weirdly, I think Fanini has this. I don't know why I put him in this category. <laughs> But when he's locked on, he's amazing. Is that like, where has this come from? You know, I don't know. I don't want to explore it. <laughs> I don't want to touch That's it. That's a but dark I... spot, man. That's a dark, dark place. Uh, anyhow, but where, you know, when she like when she's in these moments of what could be crisis on the scoreboard, at least or in a match, it brings clarity for her. And like she really is like at her best when she needs to be. And like there's something about her. I think I remember seeing Patrick say something about this about Serena, like, or no, who did he say? Yeah, maybe it was about Coco Golf actually. More talk is maybe both players actually said it about both, where he said like they, their tactics is less about about being like actively tactical, but something about their innate competitiveness brings out some sort of like clarity in the moments where they need it. They figure things out, and yeah, and that just sort of that sort of reminds me of. of Naomi too. And like you see, like, yeah, you mentioned the, the Jabir match was super impressive. Like three and two against the players playing as well as Jabir and going one and two in the first round against Pavlyuchenkova. That was a huge statement win. Garcia. Garcia also two and three against Garcia. So I think she's playing. I mean, I know to look ahead a little bit to the next match. I, th- I think she's playing well enough to where to the extent you could ever not be worried about Suwe. I feel like she's been sharp enough, unless she runs out of gas. Because, I mean, it's, it's a lot of wins in a row, and that's, you know, this could be a letdown match. But she also is so aware of Suwe. And Suwe may also be sort of daunted by the occasion of playing her first quarterfinal after waiting so long for it. I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting interesting one to look forward to, for sure. And shout yeah. out to Muguruza. Muguruza, should she regret this match? Let's talk about her for a second for this match. Well, I mean, there's nothing you can do if Naomi's going to fire an ace on match point number one. So there's nothing there. I mean, even on the two match points, I don't think that she could have done much different. I mean, sure, you can say, like, hit the ball deeper on that well, second I was just match. a little tentative, but yeah. You know, a little bit of ten- uh, a little bit of tentative on the match points. But that being said, once Naomi did level it, I do think that Muguruza did pull off a little bit. I think that she was she was a little bit rattled. Yeah. Um, not unlike what happened to her against Kennan last year, where, yeah. you know, once she didn't get that one game, 
Um, and Kenan was able to hold in the famous, you know, bang, 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 hold game from Love 40. You know, Muguruza just was incredibly frustrating, couldn't let that 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 go. So a little bit of that. I mean, I, I, not, I feel for Garbine just in the same way that I feel for Sabalenka. This is, they're playing great tennis. There is nothing that they should hang their heads about in terms of what they did today in, in what were massive matches. It didn't go their way. It ended up being a handful of points and the other player won. Um, and if they were on the other side of the draw or if they were playing anybody else, probably they'd go real far. They're semifinalists. Yeah. They're playing semifinalist level tennis. And it just it's it's got a sting that that they walk out as as round of 16ers. You know, they didn't even get yeah. to the quarterfinals. That, that's a little brutal. That's unfair. That's, I was going to say that, too. Just that's one of the things that was a chorus today. It was like, oh, this feels like it could be a final. It feels like it could be a semi. It feels like it could be a quarter. And it's true. But it also is a huge testament to the depth of the women, especially, I think, when you look and see Iga Sviantek, French Open Champette, with a 15 next to her name. Kind of like, what's going on here? But I want to talk about next the next match on Laver, Sabalenka versus Serena Williams. Reem, you were saying you were awed by this one. I just take the floor here. Uh, what was what stood out to you so much? Describe what you heard and saw. Also, this was a noisy match. Sabalenka, <laughs> I know I've watched her before, but like she just like, especially in an empty stadium, she is just like constantly making sounds. That just sort of and really soundtrack the match, yeah. And Serena too, but it was funny because Sabalenka was like giving commands that you would think were coming out of Serena, and then I would have to look up and I'd be like, "Oh, that was Serena," you know, that come on. But yeah. it was more Sabalenka than Serena, so I thought that was funny. Uh, it was a very vocal match for sure, but just the like I said, it was insane power of from both sides. Actually, neither one of them put in a, that many first serves in. Like, in, one of them was like 60%. The other one was like 50 I think Serena was like 50 Serena's second set serving was really bad. Yeah. Like, in, in general, throughout the whole match, like, overall, Serena was 52% on first serves. But it, they were killing each other on return as well. And, like, Serena, basically, what stands out the most is just how she was moving. Like, I think, Courtney, you said that. She's just moving really well. And she said it even in her press conference. She's like, listen, I like to be aggressive, but I can defend. And she's like, I'm happy to defend. I can defend. And I guess that's that probably because she feels comfortable now. Like she's physically, she feels comfortable because obviously she said she has, she's had the problem with the Achilles even dating back to 2018. Maybe she's man that, that is completely over. I don't know, but like she's moving so well. I was so impressed. And then Serena was up 4-1 in the final set. Sabalenka pegged her back, got to 4-4, and then she lost the next two games. And, and that's what, like, Sabalenka could not forgive herself. Like, in her press conference, she was like, I have enough experience. I'm young, but I have enough experience to not do that. She's like, I shouldn't lose these two games after clawing my way back from 1-4 down. So I think that was a bit of a letdown from Sabalenka because even if Serena held serve, Sabalenka was should not have gotten broken like that. Uh have been broken like that. But yeah, it was I, I love that match. And I feel kind of feel bad for Sabalenka because she didn't do much wrong. And then yet she still hasn't made a quarterfinal. And everyone's gonna be like, oh she still hasn't made a quarterfinal. Yeah. She's winning all these tournaments. She went on that streak, won three titles back to back, blah blah blah. And then yeah, but like this was an incredible match. It could have been a final. It's so, still even if it's a loss and even if she still hasn't made a quarterfinal even if she still hasn't beaten serena which is its own sort of feather in your cap for a player on tour especially one who's a top tenor i still think this was a big sort of achievement unlocked moment for sabalenka this was her first great slam match 
which was something she really and well she had the Osaka match at the US Open, which is different which was really good also. So throw that one in and there. And also too. when she beat Petra in US Open, remember that? Didn't she kill Petra? Yeah, she did kill Petra. That was I don't know. That's, that was less of that yeah, on Armstrong. But that was a little that was yeah. eh, I don't count that as much, honestly. Because uh, okay. Petra can flame out in first weeks, and it's not that yeah. But this one was more like I'm playing big stage, the match of the day, kind of. I don't know what the match of the day was, it's to be can be debated <laughs> at, at length. But uh, it's interesting, all these matches, the seeds add up to 17, if you add their numbers. So they're all, like, even on that level. Um, Just anyway. like a wind sing song, praise <laughs> sing it. I'll find, I'll find an Edge of 17 rise like a Phoenix who? mashup for the... For the uh... said who? <laughs> Sorry. It's great. I did not sleep enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I but I was I was really impressed by Sabalenka because I've seen her come up small in slams many times before. We talked about this on the draw show too, Courtney. Like you can't pick her to do something she hasn't done. And now I would feel yeah. more comfortable being I like she she's yeah. she can do the slam thing now. I mean, and I think he, the danger he, matches for her actually were the second and third rounds against Kasakina and Ann Lee, and she handled those pretty well. And then I actually thought Ann Lee was a real trap match for Sabalenka. I was I was kind of expecting Ann Lee to make that one really interesting. It wound up being three and one for Sabalenka. And her just intensity and everything was really good. She's got a new coach, a relatively new coach. They seem to be working well together. Yeah, I I, I would be sort of on the bit of the Alex Gruskin Kool-Aid and buying Sabalenka stock after this. No, the, the, what you said in terms of this was her first great slam match, I thought that you were going to put the period after just slam because I felt like this was her first That's, good slam. Like this yeah. was just like you, you, you showed up, you took care of business. She... Made some adjustments in terms of how she handled it. She stayed off site as much as she could. She just, there were little things that she was doing so that she didn't get overwhelmed by the idea that this is a slam, that this is just another tournament. Like, don't worry about it, you know, that sort of thing. And she, and it, it worked really well for her. And yeah, I can understand her wanting to beat herself up over how the first and third sets ended for her in that match because she felt like she capitulated. She felt like basically she choked. I mean, that's what mm. it sounded like between the lines. And yeah. um, she said, you know, what was the point of coming back from 1-4 down if I'm just going to lose those two games in like a span of three minutes? Like that doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, and she has a point. But, you know, to play that great of a match over that span of time today against the greatest of all time and to put yourself in that position and to come up short because yes, there is a lack of experience. Mm -hmm. We can she's all, 22. yeah, we can all, t we yeah. can, exactly. And she's a late bloomer. She wasn't playing junior slams. She wasn't doing a lot like, you know, so if you actually look at the number of slams she's competed at, mm -hmm. it's quite low given the fact that she's 22 years old. Relatively yeah. speaking, if you compare it For to like the other, yeah, yeah, you know, and mm -hmm. and Iga, this is her eighth major, which I yeah, looked up again. That is you know? crazy. Yeah. That so is crazy. Let's cut these kids some slack a little bit because sure. either we sit there and we say these greats and you know the Serena's or 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 even you know Simona, like whatever, that they have this experience that makes them better than the rest. It's true, and we can celebrate it, but the flip side of that is that you also have to acknowledge when that experience is lacking, and that it's not the player's fault, because you can't fake experience. You can't yeah. hire a coach and get experience. You have to actually choke. You have to, I mean, remember Ben, Naomi choking on um, Arthur Ashe against Maddie? Madison, yeah, 5-1. Like, yeah, US yeah, Open, 5-1, 5-1 well. up. Um, you have to have these really heartbreaking moments on, on big oh. stages to come out 
with you know your heart healed and stronger and we can talk about that with Simona <laughs> you know no no one no one's gotten beat up as much as her on big courts but yeah. so you know I think that it was a I think it was a great slam for for Sabalenka I think it was a great slam for Sriantec to just yeah. know that she could come to the next major play deep so yeah nothing oh. nothing this is why today is such a nice day honestly for me and and Garbina as well I think that at the end of the day like you're playing great and you're yeah. putting yourself in that position and Naomi did what she does but I'm happy at the end of this day because yeah like I think winners and losers hard to hard to hang your head I agree and I think I think both of the reactions when, when it comes to Garbini because she was like listen I'm disappointed I lost but I'm excited about how I'm feeling and playing on the court and I think that's the the right way to that's the right thing to take away from her month in Australia or like three weeks in Australia or whatever. And with the with Sabalenka, I'm actually happy that she's beating herself up on this because it's going to stay in her mind a bit and she's going to learn from it. Like, like you said, uh, Courtney, like these are the these are the kind of matches you can learn from, right? So, yeah, Sviantec yeah, like can't couldn't even think about what the positives of this of of coming out yeah. of this was because her head is so stuck in the match and what went wrong and. It, I was joking to a few people. I'm like, you know, as because that she she got weird in the middle of that match. Like once mm. Halep started playing with heavy top spin and changed her tactics. Oh, I guess we can talk about this match since we hadn't. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I was going to segue to that. No, 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 no. Yeah. I was going to segue to that to that pretty much as well. But the okay. Fiontek match. So what you're saying, I I don't. I feel like the commentators or the commentariat more largely, which includes ourselves, was being pretty fair to Sabalenka and Fiontek. I don't think anyone's saying. Oh my gosh, they oh, should yeah. win these things. These are these are yeah. flops on any level. Especially with Sviantek, like like you said, we have seen her so little. Like I have never I've seen Sviantek play less than and obviously I know you watch her tons, Courtney, but like I've seen her play probably less than five hardcore matches. Sure. You know, most of the matches I saw her play have been at the French Open at various times. She just hasn't played that many tournaments. She hasn't been ranked she's never ranked top ten even, even yep. still after being a slam champ. So there's still a lot of like, you know, data missing, like us talking about Sablanka, still a lot of achievements that are still locked. But yeah. that was still a lot that she hasn't hasn't done. They have um, not platinumed and, yet. No, no, definitely not. And, and and having and going up against uh someone like Halep who, you know, is a player who she got a huge win against and then the next time Halep is like sort of like revenge minded or very focused on on this match. Uh yeah, that's a that's a new thing. Quick PSA before we go on discussion. Uh Milos Ronich has taken the second set six four over Novak Djokovic. Interesting. So the thing about Sviantec, as I was saying, though, is that, yeah, you the match was super weird because she she played a great opening set, takes it 6-3, looks very much like a redo of, of, of the Roland Garros match. Then Hallett makes a tactical adjustment. She decides to play less flat. She starts to drop back a little bit. And she wasn't pushing, but she was definitely minimizing her errors and she was playing into the sides with more topspin. And Sviantec said, like, I had no idea what to do with that, which kind of surprised me because... Really? But I guess. But yeah, and Halep cleaned up her game. But that weird stretch from the start of the second set until about, you know, one or two games into the third set. I don't know. It was it was <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. I phrases come to mind, but they're going to sound so impolite. So I don't want to use them. But they were just chaotic. It was just like reckless decision making, reckless tennis, like 
like she would do things and you're like what are you doing like, she derailed why? she derailed yeah like going for drop shots way early bailing out um going for winners and missing by meters um it was just so weird and it was weird to see her like that but she pulled it back together in the third set and so what i was saying is that i was joking with people saying like for her to play that chaotic and reckless for a big chunk of that match and still only lose six four in the third to Halep and have shots in that final game. Halep closed it out, but Sviantek played like two or three amazing points that Halep was able to to um, combat. Otherwise, I, I, it really looked like Sviantek might break and, and that third set would have been back to level. Um, that's impressive. So it's one of those things where, you know, you know that as with all young players, it's going to, you know, every loss is huge and, and massive because they just haven't taken that many, right? Like at the pro mm -hmm. level because they're so young. Um, and they'll beat themselves up for it. But I, uh, similar to Sabalenka, I think that, that Sviantec and, and, and Sabalenka should leave, and I hope they leave Australia with that sting, with that kind of like, that something went wrong there, and I, and I want to learn from it. Iga talked about that earlier this week in press, about how when she won her first slam, she wasn't like, ah, my life is complete. I've won my slam. She's like, dang, now I want more. And you saw that she wanted more. You saw that she was like getting annoyed that she like was like, I beat it. On some level, she was thinking, I beat Halep last time. Why am I not beating her again? Yep. Like, you know, because and that's that a was human cool. thought. Exactly. That's like completely. a normal reaction. Completely. And in the same way you with know. Halep, where you could tell Halep was like so happy after she won. Because you could tell <laughs> the idea of like losing to this kid two fourth rounds of slams in a yep. row, slams she likes in a row. Yep. We're like, I guess she likes all the slams at this point. Well, eh, debatable. Anyway, New York. I'm not really sure if she's one likes New York yet, but uh, yeah, it it was it was a it was a great match. And I saw some people speaking of New York. I saw some people comparing whether this day was better or not than the U.S. Open semifinal day uh, last year, where the two great women's semifinals were. I think the quality of those matches were probably more consistently higher throughout. But what I did like about this match is that these were very different flavors and very different looking tennis. Like Halep Sviantec, completely different product in terms of what you're watching than a Sabalenka Serena, obviously. I think it's hard to compare because also, the, I mean, I think that Osaka-Brady match is still, I mean, that match lives rent-free in my brain. Yeah. Uh, but that match, because of what was at stake, because it was a semifinal, yeah. feels bigger than what a round of 16 is going to feel like. Because, yeah. you know, I think a friend of mine texted me, like, you know, like, uh, as I was watching the Halep um, um, Tech match. They're like, are you going to be upset, like, one way or the other, how this goes? I'm like, no, it's good. Like, you know, round of 16, that's a good result for both of them. Just, you know, play good. You know, no big deal. Um, so it's, yeah, it, whereas, you know, if it was a semifinal, you'd feel like, oh, my gosh, there's a huge opportunity here. So, but I, I do, I just, I'm really, really happy with how just the quality that you saw across the board, across yeah. these, these, these matches. And even the Vondrosheva Shea match, yes, it was straight sets, but it was Shea Wei doing Shea Su thing, Shea yeah. things, which is always fun. Like Shea Wei beating somebody six love, six love is a match you want to watch. Oh my gosh. You want to watch her peaking. I mean, as <laughs> yeah. much as she's not, one, I think that was Fiontek too, watching her kind yeah. of having to scrap. I was like, cause really at the French Open, I only watched her destroy people. And I was like, I like it when you destroyed people. <laughs> like I really like that version of you. I gotta say, I really enjoyed which is, that. Which is hilarious because yeah. as, we've always had this conversation about certain players who you only want to see when they're battling. You actually don't want. We we used to talk about this about with Wozniacki, like sh like her matches when she was stuck in a third set and scrapping were really compelling. But if yeah. Woz was beating somebody six two six three, it was kind of like, oh, do I need to watch that match? I don't yeah. know. Like you know, um, 
so yeah, there there are definitely some players where when they peak, it's just like, oh, cue that up. <laughs> actually, I also felt like Iga today had a quality that actually we like in Simona, which is just conveying the frustration and the she looked puzzled at times she looked frustrated she would like crouch down and just like look in the ground or look to all of these facial expressions for me i was like i feel her which is something i usually say about simona yeah. when simona's like uh, seething yeah. or angry and this or that and and today i felt it a bit with with Iga in that like i was with her on that roller coaster and i enjoyed that i thought that was something she we kind of got in. in in the crowdlessness too uh, of this yeah. empty stadium is that like they were both kind of just like really emoting directly to their boxes it felt very kind of yeah. like private and more intimate and just mm-hmm. more exposed in a way uh, yeah I, I thought that was, yeah. and, that was cool. and i love that a 19 year old can go to press after a loss like that it was close and she is self-aware enough to say i have no plan b i need to learn how to problem solve like not everyone at 19 will have a loss like that and just walk in a press conference and talk like that. I thought that was impressive as well. Yeah, She's... it's one of those things kind of like what we used to say a lot with Naomi. We say it a lot with Simona when Simona was going through stuff, her, you know, stuff as well, where you you want them to just never change. Like they let mm-hmm. you in and are so blatantly raw and honest. And it's also really help, I think, healthy for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if they... If you say it enough times, um, you start to believe certain things, even whether you think whether you actually believe it at the time or not. But also just like it's just a tennis match. You can just talk. You can talk about failing. You can talk about not playing. It's just a tennis. Like and I, I feel like almost just talking about it so openly diffuses the enormity of things sometimes and just makes it easier. But yeah, no, I, I think that there's something there, though. I think you're right, though, Reem, about about Iga, that she has that Halep. And yeah, she there there's something about her that is very, like, Halep adjacent, but also Osaka adjacent. Like, in terms of she's very emotive, so she does let you in in the way that's, that Simona does, especially when frustrated. But obviously, there's also kind of like that earnestness. Well, actually, all three of them are quite earnest. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about them as a tr- as this little package yeah. that I'll have to think about that more. But you're on to something. So before we get to the men's match today, I do want to talk to you, Ray, about team and Dimitro, because I know you watched that match. The women's matches tomorrow are a decidedly less or lower wattage pairings, for sure. But I'm just curious which one you're most looking forward to. So they are tomorrow, Svitolina and Pagula, Vekic and Brady, Mertens and Mukova and Barty and Shelby Rogers. Which of those are you most looking forward to, Courtney? Oh, me. Sorry. Um, it, I know this is a cop-out, but I'm saying all of them. I'm sorry, but I it's know that they're... a complete cop-out. Complete cop-out. No, but, the, but, the, I, but, but, but here... Okay, let me, I'm going to choose. It's I'm going to do the cop-out. <laughs> I'm going to do my cop-out, and this is why. Because everybody's writing off the top half. And I understand why. It's it's. I'm not saying that everybody's wrong. I get it. Um, it doesn't have, you know, the, the, the marquee players. It doesn't have, you know, players that, I guess, people are innately... Um, find compelling. I don't know, but I get it. I'm not arguing. Doesn't have the that, slam champs is a basic way to put it too. It There's doesn't have the more slam champs as well. Yeah. Sure, but I think every single one of those matches is a 
toss up in a lot of ways. I, I think agree. that Rogers Rogers has a great chance to beat Barty. Um, I think Shelby is playing great. I think she learned a lot from her match against um, Ash that she lost in a match tiebreak last week at the Yara Valley. So there's there's something there. I love Carolina Mukova's game. It's always fun. But Elisa Mertens is like low key, the, like one of the hottest players on tour since the restart and is playing the right way. She's playing aggressively. She's not being she's not this defensive player anymore. And it's really great to see. So I love I, I really look forward to seeing how those two um, kind of mesh, you know, Pagula, Svitolina. I mean, Jesse is like crushing it. Oh, and she these is quick courts. It. She is mowing the lawn like um, in 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 Melbourne. So I think that's a big upset special. And then Brady Vekic. I kind of think Jen Brady's going to make the AO final. Like she's kind of my pick. But, you know, Vekic is and I would never have picked it. But Vekic is playing. I mean, she she got that first win of her season in the first round and she's kind of been able to pick up steam and she saved match point to win in her last round, you know. Who knows? But yeah, so I, I'm compelled by all of them, honestly, like I because I, I just don't know what's going to happen. Well put. You did not complete the assignment whatsoever, but well put. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I will agree. I think that the top half is com- and I'm going to pass it to Reem, who's going to actually have a choice, which I appreciate. But I, I do agree that the top half is pretty even. And it's it's definitely like a different sort of like genre of music or like a different venue you're going to like a small sort of like i don't know coffee house tournament rather than this like arena rock that is sabalenka serena or whatever and it's a different vibe but it's still equally compelling in its own way and will produce interesting it's champs. Slam like, poetry I, night man I, I can totally make a case for like most of these women to make the final completely that just right. begs the question, but I'm not going to ask it. <laughs> I can't see Vekic making it, but but uh, yeah. but Reem, who who do you have? Who's your, who's your match? Okay, my match is Barty Rogers. Yeah, good pick. Cause, totally fair. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, I just love watching Ash in general. Uh, but also, I mean, like you said, I think Rogers has a chance, and we've seen Rogers beat Serena last year. We've seen Rogers. I mean, she has like three top ten wins, like. I think she's beaten Simona before in Australia. Like she, she, Rogers can win this match. So I think it's going to be, yeah, that's my pick. I also believe that Jim Brady can make the final. Yeah. Uh, so I agree with you on that. In particular, if Ash goes out. The other person who I don't think can make the final, because I wasn't thinking of all of them, I have, I was, that Mukova Pliska match was not good. And so I have not been super oh. impressed by Mukova. Oh, I've been impressed yeah. by Mukova. She like she took apart Ostapenko. She had two really good two opening wins. The Pliskova match wasn't great. It was great at time. To- I mean, she played fine though for the most part, especially at the end. But that's also just a weird match. They know each other. They're friends, exactly. you know. Like, and yeah. everybody was the one like narrative thing that was no- annoying me a little bit after the Pliskova Mukova match was people were people trying to be like, oh, it's because they were practice partners. Like that's why they shouldn't practice together. And it's like uh, Mukova beat her. Wimbledon didn't know her. Like yeah. Muka was like, I did not know Carolina Pushkova at Wimbledon when I beat her 15, 13, whatever, 13, yeah. 11 in the third. You know, I love watching Mukova play. So, but if if Mertens gets through that, watch out for Mertens. I yeah. mean, she, I could see, I could see, sure. I could see Mertens Mer- being Mertens a Mertens is playing amazing. Yeah, yeah she's uh, playing Mertens really is playing good. Amazing. Really good. I think the thing with Mertens is more people just need to watch her. She's winning so many matches. She's playing a lot. But I feel like in general, the public doesn't There's tune zero in buzz. necessarily zero, yeah zero like they, they don't tune into a Mertens match I but think... she has improved 
so much yeah, and become, like you said, I think you said that on Twitter that she's becoming more aggressive, which you can see. But yeah, so I definitely think Mertens obviously can make the final, especially that she's made semis before in Australia. I think, I don't know. I think the top, we keep everyone, yeah, is making fun of the top half, but ultimately we might get the Bartzi versus Vitalino who are number one and number five seeds. Like it, that, that can totally hold up. It <laughs> works because it's, they're good matchups, right? The top half is undeniably an undercard in this tournament. Like, it's not the marquee matchups you're going to yeah. get in the bottom half. But they're still pretty well matched and pretty interesting. Especially mm-hmm. you throw in Barty's, like, injury question marks with her, with her, whatever's going on with her leg. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, a super interesting, compelling. If you actually get in there, you can't really be too confident about anything going on in there. Um, and so I think that makes it, makes it yeah, compelling and interesting and, and all sorts of good stuff. So I think it'll especially as the stakes get higher. Like once you're watching these matches that are maybe players who aren't as well-known, but they're playing a quarterfinal, like the stakes is what makes it makes a slam, not the players so much at that point. So Reem, I wanted to ask you about team and Dimitrov. Uh, Dimitrov won this match 6-4, 6-4, 6-0. Team said that he was not a machine as much as he wanted to be a machine, which I thought was kind of a funny <laughs> line. Um, it reminded me of those progressive uh, commercials where the guy's a motorcycle. It's like, I wish I was a motor. <laughs> uh, anyway, what happened in this match? And uh, was it? do you think it's a, attributable to the big effort he had to do to beat Kyrgios in five sets? I think it's rough to play Nick in a full stadium, come back from two sets to love down, do all that, and then go in an empty stadium earlier in the day compared to the Nick match time-wise and like Grigor is someone who has beaten him more than he, than team has beaten Grigor yeah. you know like he this it's, it's not an easy matchup for him to begin with obviously watching him there was no team has this explosive quality and he didn't have it at all today so clearly there is a physical problem as well he didn't want to talk too much about it but he did say he had problems he had like 41 unforced errors and it wasn't a long match to hit 41 on force errors. He was not doing well on serve at all. Like, at all. I think, like... He won, he like, won, six like, points in the third set. Yeah. Yeah, it was a disaster in general in terms of, like, just even on his own serve throughout the whole match. Yeah, I mean, and, and Grigor is playing so freely. And, like, a couple of days ago, Grigor was sitting in his chair in the press conference room saying, like, you know what? don't rule me out. Like, I used to be number three in the world. I can always come back, you know? And I was like, since when does Grigor talk like that? I, I like that, you know? I like that, too. Um, yeah, I, li- I, I like that look for him. So, Grigor is um, not as, as... Grigor is more sweet than swaggy, generally. There's not a lot of swagginess in Grigor. Well, it, the question was about, like, Roger and Rafa and, and Novak and whatever, and their consistency and how, like, you should never, yeah, exactly, never rule them out. But then he brought himself into the equation, and he was like, listen, I used to be number three in the world. Like, I can go back. Like, I'm not saying I will, but I can. Like, so, I don't know. I I feel like, uh, I feel like Grigor now, and now Grigor has Karatsev. Yeah, so, I was like, going to talk about Karatsev, actually, because I saw the draw. I was like, oh, I should talk about Aslan Karatsev, who's in the quarterfinals. It's the most you know random I thing. Am, I am very proud of myself to actually know who he is, because I had my eye on him as one of the picks in uh, uh, RG Qualies, and he did not make it. But when I was looking up, like, who was doing well in the yeah. build-up, and, and he won so many challenger matches, 
and stuff in the build up to RG. Uh, and I was like, who's this guy? So then I kept an eye on him. So he's he's kind of been winning a lot of matches in general, his, but his, obviously... His runs, we've not discussed him on the show previously. Maybe talk about the Schwartzman match briefly, but he beats Benoit Pair. No, sorry, no, no, no. He beats Gianluca Mager first round. And then he destroys Igor Garasimov, 6-love, six 6-1, one, six 6-love. Just not mm-hmm. a scoreline you see in men's tennis very often. Then he destroys Diego, the 8-seed, 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. And then he comes back from two sets down to beat... Felix Oje Aliasim, uh, three six one six six three six three six four. And it was one of those kind of. It was not dissimilar to the team match actually against De- Kyrgios, where it was a five set comeback, but it was actually like never really that close because like it kind of just turned on a dime. It was like oh suddenly mm. the other guy's winning and he's going to stay in control. And yeah. Oje Aliasim was really demoralized. And Karasev is like a super clean hitter off both sides. I have not watched that much of him. Uh, I know I've seen him in qualities at slams before. Uh, but he'd never been that notable to this point. Um, and it's just cool having somebody who's in her first slam main draw making a quarter, having someone who's a complete, you know, if not literally a wild card, then, you know, in this sort of figurative yeah. sense, a complete wild card. Just you don't know what this guy's, what his ceiling is or what his what his deal is or anything. We don't, we've never seen him yeah. play, so we've never seen him lose. You know, it's almost like a sort of like budget and rescue situation, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting moment. He, yeah, it's an interesting sort of, I mean, it's not a match that I'm going to flock to the TV for, Dimitrov Krasov necessarily, but it's interesting sort of part of the draw. And yeah, we'll see what happens with this uh, Djokovic situation. He's up a break in the third now. Um, yeah. And yeah, he plays Zverev, which raises all sorts of other questions about is Zverev. If Djokovic is hurt, is Zverev then the f- favorite to make the final? What does that do for this tournament? <laughs> There's lots of, uh, lots of uh, stuff to unpack or to conspicuously ignore at your leisure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Courtney, Reem, thank you for being here. Any other, any other thoughts on the Australian Open before we uh, wrap up here? None for me. Oh, actually, very briefly, let's talk about, um, I mentioned alluded to her earlier, because uh, I know you watched a little bit of her, saw her impress, uh, Olivia Gadecki. Yeah. Can you explain who that person is? Because people probably wouldn't know. Olivia Gadecki. The champire kept saying Gadecki, which would make sense. Oh, it's like a Czech name. Yeah. Yeah. But but um, but then everybody else was saying Gadecki. I don't know. She's Australian. But anyways. Um, But yes, 18, 18 year old Olivia Gadecki, who uh, has no ranking, uh, is from Queensland. Very nice young lady. Um, I was really impressed with her impress. Anyways. Uh, she defeated uh, Sophia Kennan in the in three sets in the Phillip Island Trophy, which is a WTA 250 event, which is also being played this week on the grounds of Melbourne Park. So you, yeah, and I was actually really impressed with her game. Like I kind of couldn't understand how this kid was unranked. Like just literally didn't have a ranking point. That was weird. Great power, really fluid, and very interestingly, she's coached by David Taylor. Uh, formerly coached uh, Naomi Osaka, also coached Sam Stozer for a very long time. Um, so that was interesting. And during the preseason, she trained with Ash because she's up there in Queensland, and which is the uh, Australian state that just pumps out, pumps out the talent in Australian tennis. Because Sam Sam's also uh, a Queenslander, Ash as well. So now there's this this kid as well. So she did her preseason with Ash. Ash was in the crowd watching the match. That was cool. Yeah. Which is really cool as well and such an Ash thing to do. But really lovely. And I was just really impressed by her impress in addition to her game. She was just really well spoken and was over the moon. Yeah, just I, this sounds weird, but was like acting her age and like appropriate for the moment. Like she was like, 
there was no swagger or anything, but there was also kind of like, whoa, I'm close. Like there was just an earnestness about her that I found to be very, very endearing. But um, but yeah, yeah cool. big result, big result for her. For her. And She'll big have a ranking. For, big result. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, beat the, you know, still kind of reigning uh, champ of the Australian Open, kind of at the Australian Open. You deserve a ranking at the very least. Uh, but yeah, actually, ones. fun fact about her: she played AO Junior Qualies last year qualified for the main draw of the juniors here in Melbourne. And then she lost in the third round to Robin Montgomery. Oh, that, that oh the, well, it yes. all comes back around. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's weird. Not having, there's not gonna be juniors this year, I guess at the AO, um, for understandable yeah. reasons. So it's been interesting to see how like all these sort of like careers are like, not, not you getting to follow the normal, the normal channels, the normal sort of ramp on ramps to the tour. Um, it's gonna be interesting and in how it'll it'll affect people in, in across bad the board. Ways, I'm sure, yeah. Well, and I mean, challenger we're talking players, challenger too, players, and, yeah. umpires now, you know, and and juniors. Pretty pretty rough. Pretty rough. It'll have. I mean, this pandemic will have significant implications for the sport in a in a ripple effect. Um, Short term and long term, because yeah. like there's also these huge numbers that USDA put out about like tennis participation rates going up by like twenty something percent during the year, which is a massive one-year increase and so maybe there's lots of kids who, who couldn't play team sports safe for their parents thoughts so they gave them tennis rackets now they're going to pick up tennis we get a whole new generation of pandemic generation pandemic i would essentially. be interested to see the the age breakdown of that that 20 percent increase i mean if this yeah. is just adults going out and playing more in the rec and filling out a form that says i play tennis now that's one thing but if it is young kids picking up then I yeah that has... of, i think it's a lot of kids i think it's a lot of parents and kids i don't i'm not from the numbers but i'm just anecdotally i've heard a lot about like mm. i'm taking my kid to play tennis because you they can't play on their soccer team anymore or whatever else it used to be so um, and courts are apparently harder to find people who are looking for courts. Their courts are getting crowded. Tennis is weird, though. And I've said this before on the podcast because I feel like it is one of the, at least anecdotally in my experience, the gap between I play a person who says I play tennis and their following of professional tennis. Yeah. it The gap is huge. Like there are more people who it seems like in a sport of tennis that like just play tennis and then you'll be like, oh, really? Like, did you watch Wimbledon this weekend? It's like, what? Yeah. Like, they, you know, like, yeah. I don't know that in NBA, like people who play pick up the and NBA, are, they know NBA. And, like, you and know, there, are, there are lots of tennis fans, like, you know, tennis watchers who don't play recreational tennis and our beats. Like I get I'm sure you've gotten lots of like PR pitches for like tennis you know yeah. recreational stories i'm like i just don't cover that that's not like part of yeah. my my purview but yeah uh what was i gonna say there but it's all yeah it's almost like you know like on a level of almost like jogging or running or something like yeah runners don't necessarily can't name yeah you know like uh various or swimming kenyan olympic champs or whatever yeah but i yeah, guess exactly. in those situations it's different because it's like well I'm, I'm going off on a tangent but i just i in my experience back when I was a lawyer and I did play tennis uh, is that when I would like play like, like, you know, whatever league matches and stuff that like, cause at the same time I was blogging and I was obviously following pro tennis and like the literally no one that I ever played a match against knew anything about professional tennis. Yeah. Not a single person. And I was like always baffled by it. I was like, well, why would you not know? Here's like, what you're going to okay. do, listeners. You're going to take your your Bluetooth speakers or your car stereo, plug in this episode, go to your public course and play it at an obnoxiously loud volume to osmote 
our, our, our font of knowledge about this wonderful day, women's tennis, onto the tennis playing publics. The people need to know. They need to know that Sue is in the quarters. They need to know that Naomi is scared about that. They need to know that Serena and Simone are going to do their thing again. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you guys for being here. This was wonderful. According to win, Reem Abuleil. Uh, follow Reem, support her on her Patreon, patreon.com slash Reem Abuleil. And our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. We want to thank our Slam Champ backers. We thank every episode. Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Crillo, Leah Williams, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Anna Valinder, Susanna W., Jean Simeon, Antonio Maycumber, and our GOAT backers, Mike, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. Have, this is like the halfway point, kind of. Good work. Middle Are you guys staying on your, Yeah, middle Sunday, kind of, pretty much. Uh, good work. My sleep schedule is, is getting wonkier. Like, not very Melbourneian. It's somewhere just in terms of just deprived and starving anywhere in the world. But, uh, yeah, hanging in there. We'll see you next week yeah. or next day or whenever. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Ciao. Ciao. Here's Conchita. Down, but I'm gonna fly.